Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and well, it's been 212 days since that famous come from behind victory at Cardinia Park, where we claim top spot and the minor premiership. And unfortunately, Geelong have ripped that spot from our grasp, but hey, we have no control over other matches. We can only control our own destiny. And tonight we'll discuss the grand final rematch that was almost like a peek through the looking glass of our drought-breaking premiership. Joining me tonight to break down the win is veteran Demonlander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Bin Man. Good evening, Demon Landers. Isn't it great to have footy back with the crowds that we're allowed to cheer and yell and scream our heads off again? The Demons are still winning, and uh, despite Geelong's effort, we're still sitting close to the top of the uh, ladder, but uh, we've got a premiership in our back pocket. It was absolutely fantastic to be back at the footy, screaming my lungs out. Uh, you know, those umpires, uh, they didn't cop it enough, I don't think, when I was at home, uh, you know, shouting at the TV. But you really, at home, you don't get that release that you get at the footy, like when you kick a goal, that roar that comes out of your mouth. You know, at home, you know, you're excited, or, or but it's not the same when you're doing it with, uh, you know, 40... 40,000, 50,000 other fans. Uh, it's just amazing to be back at the footy. Uh, someone who wasn't at the footy uh, due to some isolation issues, uh, Bim Man. Uh, good evening, Bim Man. Good evening, Annie. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. And yes, I think the COVID gods decided that my Joe Rogan gag last week was way out of bounds. <laughs> and, and as a result, told me that I had to um, be in isolation for a week. For a week and missed the footy, so couldn't believe it. Um, I wasn't nearly as vocal as you by the sound of it, sitting on my couch where I watched the grand final. That was one positive, is that it was a, a very much a replay for me because I was in exactly the same spot. Um, yeah, but the umpiring that end of that first quarter it just showed you know, the, you know, the impact a decision can have on the um, game. Both of those free kicks near the end, but in particular one against um, Smith for God knows what to Waitman really brought them back into the um, the game, didn't it? It did, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's uh, you mentioned you watched the game from the same place uh, that you watched the grand final. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, it was a funny sort of match in that it was almost uh, m- uh, mirroring uh, our grand final, almost right down to the quarter-time score that if not for the dodgy free kick, as we mentioned to Waitman and more on those free kicks later, the mirroring uh, didn't stop there. We were almost, you know, it almost had the same momentum swings uh, where the Bulldogs wrestled control back from us uh, with eight unanswered goals uh, before we wrangled back control, ultimately winning the match like we did in the granny. And to top it all off, uh, the Norm Smith medalist uh, Christian Petrarca was once again BOG, and incredibly, his stats were a reflection yeah. of his grand final stats. Exactly, weren't they? Amazing. Yeah, it, it was it, incredible. In this match, he had 38 disposals, nine clearances, 11 inside 50s, 13 score involvements, 100, 800. And 69 metres gained and two goals. In the granny, he had 39 disposals, nine clearances, same. 11 inside 50s, the same. Uh, 15 score involvements, so two more than this week. And 896 metres gained, almost the same. Uh, and the two goals. Uh, it was almost identical. Uh, and they chose not to um, do anything about him. 
exploding. I watched the, on Fox Footy the joy of sitting on the couch is seeing uh, four ex-footballers talk about the game afterwards and the, the fact that they didn't put any time into him or tag him almost exploded Gary Lyons' 1990s brain and Bucks was pretty much saying, look, you know, tagging is not a modern phenomenon, <laughs> so Gary, so get with the program. But it does, you know, he, 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 they were certainly left alone to do his thing, wasn't he? Absolutely, he was. Um, let's uh, let's move on, um, and we're going to talk uh, some positives. Um, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, oh, that's actually, sorry, uh, big man. Were we going to talk tactics first before we go uh, on yeah, to the positives? Just, yeah, just really briefly, I thought that um, that we might have just a really quick sort of thought about tactics um, uh, each show just to sort of not really go into it but just something that I noticed and one of the things that um, uh, tactically I was wondering for Melbourne you know what the doggies would do in order to you know change something tactically to beat us because you know it's a bit of a, a modern sort of cliche I guess that teams say you know, we'll back our system in um, to beat the opposition. Certainly the D's do that. Goody's very strong on that. You know, I've never heard the word system more than I have in this off-season. Um, but the jury, I mean, like the data's in, isn't it? The um, the, the dog system isn't going to beat us. Um, so they're going to change something to to um, to change that up. And I, I think a, a thing for Melbourne that's really curious is that, you know, to beat oppositions, Sort of tactically, the sort of go-to thing over the years is, well, ever since footy started, really has been to deny them scoring opportunities and to slow their scoring down, um, and um, it's a real problem for uh, against Melbourne because we're, we're I think it was underrated last year with all the emphasis on our defensive um, um, structures and system is how dangerous we are on offence and um, that's going to be a real problem for opposition particularly with starting off with Benny Brown in the in the um, team right from the get-go so I was really curious to see you know what the dogs would do and I think to beat us teams have got to score a minimum of 85 points um, so that means they've got to generate enough scores to get there because they're not going to keep us under 80 to 85 points I don't think team so we can conversely we can keep teams um, you know up under 70 points 65 points that I think I remember last year reading or hearing that their aim is to um, keep teams to 60 points and under. Uh, and I think from memory, the, the average last year was around 61, 62. So they, they met that. Um, and I think opposition teams just need to generate score. And in particular, the Dogs, I was really curious. They got going in that just like the grand final and they scored in bursts. One of the things that they did in that um, – uh, in that second quarter, in the first half of the second quarter, that was a bit different tactically. Um, two things that had Libba um, on a half-forward flank. I'm not sure whether that, obviously I'm not sure whether that was a tactical move, um, maybe to change the um, setup in the centre to get some more run out of there to be less focused on winning that contested ball or whether he's just not fit or they're trialling something else. But um, Bailey Smith certainly played some more time in the centre than he did last year. The other thing that they did, which is really tactically a bit different for the dogs is that not so much going through the corridor they love to do that but we take that corridor away um, we also stop switch and that's what the dogs that's their go-to ball movement is to switch it and take it down the opposite uh, thing oh they can't do that against us but a few times they went diagonally um, across the center um, and their goal at crozier um, kicked 
um, was a really good example of that. They came through and kicked on the 45 basically across the um, centre square over the top uh, and fed it out to Crozier who ran into space um, and to kick the goal. And um, so I thought that's just something to, to watch whether they do and then they kept on try they tried sort of variations on that and as we upped our pressure we we caused turnover and we ended up i, I don't know any you probably have got the numbers but uh, we scored really heavily on turnover uh, and that's because it's so dangerous to try that they weren't hitting their targets um so just on the other it was really interesting watching other teams so it seems like you know, everyone's now got on board with the territory game and the contest game and winning the aerial contest, bringing it to ground. Uh, that's the Melbourne way. We, we borrowed that from Richmond um, and to a lesser extent the Doggies. And that territory game, though, I'd really notice a bit of a difference. Other teams were doing it. Carlton did it. Collingwood did it. Um, most notably of all, the Cats did it. And uh, I think that's a really good move from um, Scott to, to bring that in because they've got a team that it actually suits. They've got the lead-up forwards who can bring it to ground. They've got really strong mids who can win those ground ball gets. The difference those other teams did is they use the corridor a lot more than Melbourne did. I mean, we use the boundary line so much and it was, again, evident in this game. So I wonder whether opposition teams have borrowed that that territory and win the contest from the Ds, but maybe they're thinking the way to unlock the sort of scoring capacity we need to get to be able to roll the Ds and get a score on the board is to be more aggressive and go through the corridor. Well, you know, we're definitely not doing that. But, yeah, so something to watch whether that's just the, the way they like to play through the corridor and whether that will work with Melbourne. Um, but tactically, teams have got to find a way to score 12, 13, 14 goals against us to um, have a realistic chance of uh, beating us. Uh, turnovers, they had 83 more turnovers, and uh, but we scored um, our goals from turnovers were 10, 10 8, and they were 5 4, so it was double. Uh, we doubled the amount of scores off uh, turnovers than they did. And there was one real example that was a critical point in the game, and they were being aggressive with their kick, they were looking in the corridor. And I forget the fellow who kicked it, but it um, was the one that um, Spargo just got up and reached up and did enough to tap the ball down, uh, and then we swept it forward and kicked a goal, and it was game over from that. And I guess that's the double-edged sword of, you know, being aggressive through the corridor, trying to sort of create space um, because, you know, the um, you turn it over and, and we're really good on, on the turnover. The other thing in that Crozier goal, it's really unusual because he had space to run into and took a, you know, he got it on the outside, ran for five metres and offloaded from inside 50. I wonder whether that wasn't, that was in the second quarter and maybe we hadn't quite balanced up from having Salem out of that back um, half. So, you know, it was really unusual not to have players in front. Um, but I think teams have got to look at that sort of aggressive ball movement to, to get through us. You can't get around our, that used to be the way you get around a zone is to go around it. You've got to go through it now, I think. Um, and, you know, we're such a good contested team, you can't physically go through it. You've got to pick your way through it, I think, with really good um, incisive kicking. George, anything you want to add? No, I'll, I'll I'll pick up on uh, Bin Man's point a little bit later on, particularly with, in relation to a couple of players. But, um, yeah, I have to agree with all of that. All right, so we're going to move on. We're each going to go through some uh, positives from a team perspective and then uh, at positives and negatives from a team perspective and then uh, positives and negatives uh, from individuals. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it off. My team positive uh, for me, uh, the big team positive was our ability to do what we did a number of times last year, including in round 23 and in the grand final, and that was our ability not to panic and be able to reset from a three 
goal plus deficit and then still go on to win uh, having watched uh, the brilliant after the siren doco on AFL on demand which I highly recommend everyone uh, stop listening to this podcast <laughs> go watch that and then come back uh, and show Goody uh, mic'd up on the boundary uh, and it was clear that Goody never panicked even when we were 19 points down and this was evidence when uh, Harms got clear from the stoppage and kicked that beautiful pass to Fritch, uh, Goody confidently turns to the players on the bench and says, here we go, lads, hold the fort, away we go. And it was like he knew the tsunami that was uh, coming. And based on that vision, I, I have absolutely no doubt uh, that this was his attitude on Wednesday night. And more importantly, he has the team believing that it's possible to come back from being 22 points down like we were on Wednesday night, as long as we continue to do, you know, the Melbourne way, you know, the, what they call the Melbourne brand. And, and, you know, we're able to just reset. And if we go and we just, from that point on, you know, clean slate, let's just go again and again and again. And it, you know, and incredibly, and this is seemingly impossible, he has me believing that it's possible because <laughs> Melbourne teams of the past, and, and I've got to stop, thinking and talking about Melbourne teams of the past because this team is unlike any team that we've in our lifetimes uh, certainly uh, people of our our age guys uh, have never seen the likes of this so we've got to stop saying Melbourne teams of the past would have just got rolled because they would have but this team doesn't and they, they have that ability they believe in themselves and they're happy to reset and go again because I thought we were gone for all money uh, eight unanswered goals and uh, I'll talk about that because it's one of my negatives uh, a bit later but yeah I, I just this belief for me it is a huge positive can I just say that's yeah. really interesting such a coincidence you've um, um, noted that because that comment that he said about that's it fellas hold the fort and then go sounded like a mantra and it was I was going to note it because it was exactly the sort of point I was making last week about how how central may, um, controlling the momentum um, is to Goody's way of coaching and that in that um, you know, as, as we've talked about in that period, they just didn't score enough. We held the fort and then go. And I think that that's, that's what we do. And in fact, the, this game, in terms of it being a mirror of the uh, a grand final, it was actually the second quarter in this game, last Wednesday's game, was the second quarter and the third quarter from the grand final added together because they got away, but we held exactly like you just said. What we did in the third quarter in the grand final, we picked up halfway through that second quarter. And what was really impressive, a positive for me, is that the players did it on the on the ground. I mean, they did the same thing in the second quarter, but they didn't have the benefit of the halftime break to reset. Um, they did that themselves on the, on the ground. So I thought that was really interesting, Andy, and it was interesting you picked that up because for me it's a really central way thing about Goody's philosophy of coaching. George, your team positive? I think the biggest team positive that uh, was evident uh, in this game was um, uh, firstly before the game that we lost four out of uh, four out of our seven basic defenders down the back line. Uh, and then in the first quarter, we lost Christian Salem uh, as well. Um, and um, I'd just love to bring out a little quote from Caligula's cohort uh, about that, where he said Salem spent less time on the ground than Ron Barassi at this game. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, losing, if, if you'd said to uh, Andy's just spoken about Melbourne teams of the past, if you'd said before the game we're going to lose Rivers, Lever, Petty and Hibbert not available, then Salem's going to be out in the first quarter. Um, you know what the result would, would have been. But um, 
the real positive was that Smith and Tomlinson coming in just slotted in beautifully to the team system. It wasn't about individual players. They they were there to play the team system. So not only did it help us out in this game, it's going to help us in the future because you don't get a spot in this side unless you can play your role and fill the needs for the whole team. So they, they just feel, um, did brilliantly. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, the loss of Salem, I think, really threw us out um, uh, because T-Mac had to be pulled from the forward line and it, I, I think it was basically it took us a quarter or thereabouts just to reset the whole thing. Uh, despite what's been said, I, T-Mac um, uh, hasn't trained down the back line no. to any substantial amounts. Um, uh, Smith and Tomlinson have been on the, the whole season and getting used to playing alongside the Mays and the Levers. So T-Mac was a, a break the glass in case of. Um, I don't know that we'll see that again or we'll wait and see w- uh, when the teams come out this week. Um, I don't think Hunt was as great a, uh, a contributor um, as as what my I think he as what someone like Hibbert uh, would have been. Um, but we'll wait and see again when the, when the teams come out. But yeah, we, when we're left with a, a back line from the grand final team consisting of Bowie and May, um, you'd you'd be previously worried. But we were as as ruthless and as defensive and maintained our systems right through that whole period and, and eventually it just wore them down. They couldn't get through. Um, nothing changed as far as the Melbourne team was concerned for the Bulldogs. Big man, how did you see it? Obviously, we're, we're, we're down in personnel in the back line, particularly that premiership winning uh, personnel that played you know throughout most of the year with a good chunk of them out of there. How did you see us sort of adapt and, and did we play a similar way uh, to what you saw last year? I, I, um, George is spot on. It took them a little while to balance up, which is why that that sort of period where they got on top, but also where they were able to 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 cross diagonally a bit more than they've been able to. You know, that's a bit of a question mark on that. Was that because we were not, we hadn't reset properly yet? So I think George is spot on, and it coincided, of course, with that. You know, the the, um, the blinding start that they had in the first ten minutes of that second quarter. Second quarter. Um, Interestingly, with T-Mac, um, Goody said in his presser that the plan pre-match was always to put him back if they lost a defender. Um, one, it was curious to, like that they'd been thinking that. So I, I wondered whether there was um, – Salem's injury was a contact injury, so just bad luck. But he was pretty heavily strapped. So, But that was interesting that they said the plan. But I presume that – my assumption is that the reason that's the case is because – um, Bedford was on the um, was the sub, um, and I, I'm guessing that Lever was never going to play that game. Uh, that was a bit of subtle ducks and drakes from Goody, I reckon. Well, he got um, injured on Sunday, wasn't it? Mentioned? Yeah, but he got named in the team injured yeah. on Sunday. No, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, like he wasn't. And he did. He snapped his taught whatever. I'm not sure what the right. language is. He's um, plantar fasciitis. Yeah, so he didn't do the Harvey jump off a table and do it. But apparently, you know, it's a good thing to snap that. <laughs> but he did that on Sunday, so realistically, he was never going to be playing. Um, I thought that was quite funny from Goody because he's not really a game player, is he? So, and so I, I think the fact they brought Bedford in, it's really interesting to decision to bring him in because he's really not that ideal for a sub because he he was only ever going to play as a small nibbler style running forward like he's obviously got a great tank um and that's the role that they played him in so if you put him into the forward line you've got to take someone out that's t-max so as i said goody said before the game that uh, sorry uh, in the presser that the planning was always if a defender went down t-mac 
pretty much, I guess, the assumption being any defender because Salem, is, it's obviously not like for like that T-Mac was going to go back. I actually thought he played great back there. Um, and um, But, yeah, George is 100% right. It balanced up. Yeah, it took him a while to reset, but then that system, and I think it's a real positive going forward into the into for the rest of the year. That they that it's proof that the system works, isn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I agree with that that sort of analysis from George. For me, the, the big team positive was the kicking. I thought the kicking was um, just brilliant. Coming up to halfway through the second quarter or something, or maybe it was the end of the first quarter, it was something like 82% um, disposal efficiency. And um, I think that that's sort of the in the category of what are the things that D's can improve, um, kicking is still one of them. Um, and watching the the rest of the round, I watched quite a few games over the, the weekend just gone and she's there was an appalling. <laughs> you know, I was actually said to a friend, how great is it to be, you know, looking at other teams and going, God, they're terrible kicks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> just, it's like there was so many turnovers. Um, you know, I think the other... And one of the other interesting things with the, um, that kicking is that uh, Viney seems to have improved his kicking heaps. Um, he seems to be going for less. And there's a number of players, Hunt, Viney, Langdon was doing it already. Um, Nibbler had was doing it already. But those three, uh, Hunt and Viney in particular, are chipping the ball into space now rather than dro- trying to drill it low and flat. They're doing these little dinky 20-metre kicks that allows the, 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 the player who's running up to receive it to run onto it mm-hmm. as opposed to – and it just seemed it seemed to be um, Viney had improved like markedly. And if he – he's one player, same with Hunt, but particularly Viney with the possessions he gets. If he can be, become more damaging in the way that um, um, Clary did last year in terms of suddenly being more damaging by four, then he, you know, but suddenly we've got that's where you get your incremental improvement. So that was a, a huge team positive for me. And probably the other one, again, reflecting on all the other teams, is I think it's really easy to forget that round one's a bit like the mid season buy is you always get teams blowing up. You know, players have done a big blocks of training. They're exhausted. They're a bit out of match practice. Um, you know, they've gone hard all summer. Um, and so, you know, always the standard drops away in the, the last quarter. Always there's turnovers. We look super fit. Um, you know, of course, it's sort of a bit coming. You know, it's a bit like normal, you know, um, transmission resuming with the, with unfortunate injuries we've got. Um, but we look super fit. And I was, that was one of the reasons I was never not confident we'd come back in, even more so than the grand final, because they, they looked like they ran out of legs, the dogs. I'm not sure what yeah. you fellas thought, but in the third quarter, they looked out on their feet, I thought. Yeah, I'd agree with that, given the given the numbers that um, a couple of their runners in Bontempelli and Liber and, and Hunter who, you know, while Bontempelli had an ankle injury, I think, in the third quarter, um, only had 17 possessions in the whole game, Libba with 14 and Hunter with 13. That there's, there's something wrong with them or they simply weren't fit. Yeah. And, I mean, he looked um, – Bont looks like yeah, – I know he hurt himself during the game, but he looked like he was a bit proppy coming into the game, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And what, what – George, can I ask, what, what's your take on how they played Libba? Um, I, I have no idea. I, I honestly, when they started the game and I saw Libba sitting in their half-forward line, I'm going, what in the hell is going on here? He is their best extractor and he's not in there to, to start the game. It was, um, he, was he obviously isn't, isn't um, 
uh, didn't perform at all in the, in that role. But they only used him fleetingly. But but they were also doing the same with Bontempelli that I saw. He he was either off the ground for long periods of time. Um, but really, I've I've got no idea, and I suspect that. Um, uh, Beveridge was trying all sorts of things or trying to get other people in the middle a bit more. Um, Bailey Smith had a huge amount of time in the middle. Um, I think they even had Vandermeer or something really mm. in there at the time. So trying to get le- miles into other people's legs. But, you know, gee, you, you, this is a grand final, final rematch. You need to make a statement and do something different from what you've been doing before. But I don't know that taking your best extractor out of the middle is um, the thing to do. You know, it'd be the equivalent of us taking Oliver out of the middle. Um, yeah, I thought it was very strange. And that's why I wondered whether it was a tactical thing, but he didn't give them anything up give, forward. No, no. And uh, like any, and he actually, his body language didn't look great. You know, it's um, if he's not fit, why play him? You know, so it was all a bit curious. And I totally, I mean, it was an eight point game early on in the season. That's a big loss for him, I thought. Mm. That's the other thing. It was a good win, obviously, a good win for us to get, but it was a danger game given the maybe the motivation so that was a real positive that was i thought it was that was a really strange strange move um so you you be man you were talking about uh kicking and you said it was uh disposal was excellent uh however i thought uh and george will agree with me because i can see that that's your team negative uh, was our goal kicking uh you want to talk about that uh me yeah george yeah, uh, the the goal kicking was a replica. What what I thought was that um, uh, at that sort of period again, like exactly like the grand final in that period, about ten minutes before the end of the third quarter and the first ten minutes of the first of the fourth quarter, we had on my count we had five shots for goal, um, four of them set shots, all easy set shots relatively, and one on the on the run, uh, Sparrow Jackson. Bedford, A and B and Fritch, and we got the grand total of five points out of it. Now, if we'd kicked five goals, because they were all very gettable shots, um, that would have been a 10-goal win for us. You know, an absolute repeat of the grand final. The game would have been over in, again by three-quarter time or that first first couple of minutes in the final. Um, so it's a concern that um, uh, in the grand final we didn't miss anything, um, but we saw a number of occasions last year where uh, accurate kicking cost us dearly. Um, uh, so I, I hope that that's not going to be the continuation um, in the in the coming games. And added to that, George, there was, you know, I guess in terms of if you look at incremental improvement, um, you know, Petrarca was just brilliant, and and I loved the way in the second quarter he did exactly what, you know, it's like your champions do is he he seemed to just say, All right, I'm going to insert myself into the game here, and perhaps that's where Beveridge missed a trick, you know. As we've talked about, we don't, you know, tagging is not really a thing, but, you know, maybe to, I don't know, to look to block him or, or something can to really put some work in because that's when he went to work. But his kicks inside 50, he in that third quarter, perhaps it was the last quarter, maybe it was the last quarter, he, under no pressure, he missed, after a beautiful chain of play, he missed Cozzy, who, who probably needed a bit of a, yeah. <laughs> some, an easy goal or two just to get him into the game. Um, he missed the kick by a good 20 metres, put it straight over his head. So um, if he can clean up those inside 50 kicks, it just, you know, I mean, it's a pretty good cake already, but that'd be icing on top. Um, my negative... Um 
uh, as positive as my beliefs uh, is that we can reset and come back from a deficit. I'm equally uh, negative about our ability to concede a run-on of goals, or more accurately phrased, is our inability to stem the flow. And yes, I know that we have that ability to overcome it, but I prefer that it didn't happen and I, yeah, we did have the injury to Salem and that sort of upset things in the back line. And yes, I understand that there'll be ebbs and flows and momentum changes during games, but eight goals, eight unanswered goals is totally unacceptable, even with a couple of uh, dodgy uh, free kicks amongst them. Um, is, is, the, is it a concern, the eight unanswered goals, a concern to either of you guys? It could, yeah, it, it could be, depending on, on the game. Um, but uh, those goals were spread out over, re- like the grand final, were spread out over a reasonably large period of time. Uh, and uh, once again, just reverting to what uh, what was said before about uh, that mic'd up um, uh, uh, documentary from, from Goodwin, uh, the, the momentum does change. You've just got to wait for it to happen. Um, it seems to be the nature of the game, not just our game, uh, but it seems to be the case in a lot of games uh, where teams just get a run on. Um, you've got to weather it as much as you can. Um, we've been, you know, again, uh, you, you heard Goodwin talking about uh, creating density in the back line. Your forwards have got to help when we're on in one of those situations. Um, and if you've got the systems and the belief uh, that that you can come back from that and it's only a matter of time and when that does turn, the opposition have spent all their petrol tickets and then you really rip them open as we've done you know, on a number of occasions, not just at the grand final, but during the um, whole final series and before that as well. You know, look look at the last game of the season where Geelong were 44 points up, or wasn't it? Um, and thought they had the game well and truly sewn up and uh, we came back and had the belief and just executed what we needed to do. No, yeah, I mean it's it, it's a bit of a definitely it's a, a negative. Um, but I was reflecting on it, Andy, in terms of if you look at if you include that game, so the twenty five games that we played last year, the home and away in the finals, and the, this game, so a body of twenty six um, games. It only happened three times. That so less concerning for me that there was eight goals in a row because two of them don't count for mine. They're, they're at the end of the first quarter, so it's the six in the second quarter. That's definitely a concern, and that's what happened in the um, um, grand final. Just on a, is it a concern? Yes, he wouldn't be. The team wouldn't be happy about that. Um, you know, comfortable that we can come back from it. We had to stop their momentum and get the game slowed down. Um, that's and and we did that. Um, but looking at those twenty six games, it only happened three times, didn't it? So twice by the doggies and in the round twenty three game by the cats. So it's not like it's a you know a massive. Um, sort of issue that keeps on repeating. Um, and what I'd say is both those teams are top four teams, well, you know, in terms of, um, you know, they're the best, they're our competition. Um, so, you know, they're good teams. The other thing is that at least two of the goals from the um, doggies, and if you think about the round three, three of them were, uh, sorry, round 23, three of the um, goals in that burst, um, and in the grand final, a couple as well, were those ones where they, they win the centre clearance and get it out the front. So I think, as has been talked about this round, um, that's, you know, the teams are setting up 
to to like it's a bit of a risk reward is that you know that's the if you lose it maybe we were setting up positively if you lose it then you're going to give it out the front so i mean and the other thing is norton was on song you know norton mm-hmm. had a great game i thought um, he was terrific he's a, a really excellent player you know he'd only you know he, he barely kicked a i think he kicked two grand ball got gets last year goals and two he got two in this match very picked it up clean you know, also the goals that they got, the other part of it is that the, the, the goals that we give up a bit is that the small mediums hitting, you know, winning that ground ball. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a concern and, and it's sort of, um, yeah, they stop that run. Um, it's a bit silly. It's a bit funny to think that, the, you know, the dogs needed to kick more in that run because, they, what, did they kick six in that second quarter? They, they, it was six, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and... and once we stopped them, they didn't kick another, but they six, it was six in the first 15 yeah, minutes, yes, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Two, so, two in the end of the, end of the first. Definitely, then, definitely so. a negative for this match. Is it a concern? They wouldn't want to do that too often because, you know, um, you, you know, you get more than statistically, you get more than four goals down in footy. Um, you don't win that often. Uh, B man, you want to go with your and negative. Yeah, I, I guess the um, negative for me, and it's a bit hard to um, the flip to it is a positive, but the negative is injuries. Like Salem, six to eight weeks. Uh, hats off to uh, Weber. He um, nailed that <laughs> pretty dead on Demonlands, six to eight weeks. And um, I predicted two to three because I'm more optimistic than him and have no idea about <laughs> the injury that he um, received. So Weber not only got the weeks right, got the exact injury right. So that's a real, uh, you know, that's a real negative. Um, and, it, you know, Hibbard, it's also his injury is a calf, is it? Is it yeah. a calf injury yeah. or he's a sort of player you don't want sort of soft tissue injuries at his age? Um, you've got Rivers. I'm not quite sure what that injury was, but I think that's a lower ankle calf thing too. You know, so well, his, is a, his is a knee as well. Yeah. So are they negatives? I mean, definitely it's a negative, but it's happened. Is it pointing to something? Is it luck? You know, I think the uh, – and of the, the – uh, is it Selwyn? What's his name? The new fitness guy? Yeah. Selwyn Griffith. Yeah. Selwyn Griffith. He's on a hiding to nothing a bit, isn't he? Because he's going to be compared to, you know, to Burgess and, um, um, you know, something like Salem's injury is not his fault. But, you know, as in terms of a negative, the, those injuries are not great. Um, let's go on to some individual positives um, and um, I'll sort of, Back up what's been talked about already is just the the makeshift backline, uh, George. You'll be going into it a bit further individually, but for me it was that ability, and we talked about a uh, T-Mac that being able to swing T-Mac back, not have it impact our scoring. Uh, very important. T-Mac slotted into defence very nicely. He affected a few spoils. He wasn't flying for marks himself, um, you know, doing the team things. He also rebounded quite nicely a few times, showing off that athleticism, athleticism off half-back. And most importantly, none of that was to the detriment to our ability to score with Ben Brown's ability, ability to mark and kick goals and then Bailey Fritch getting into the contest after half-time. So, I don't, you know, we've sort of talked about uh, T-Mac already, so we don't need to go on too much about it, but... But, yeah, it was really wrapped uh, with that performance. And, yeah, it's great to have that sort of up your sleeve. You know, we've still got Ben Brown and Fritchie uh, down there and our small forwards and, and our mids kicking goals as well. So uh, being able to put T-Mac 
back there. It's not going to impact our forward and ability to score. So, yeah, big big tick uh, for that. Um, B-Man, you got uh, a po- anyone you want to highlight as a positive? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm big Smith fan, so I thought he was terrific. I thought his intensity at the ball was was great. Um, his intercept marking was great. Um, as I noted in the pre- the season preview, I think his coverage for, for Petty. If Lever does come back, you know, I think that um, probably Tom Linson will come out and then um, and uh, Smith will remain in that role. I, I thought he was great, actually. Um, the other positive I thought, I know you mentioned um, Hunt, um, George, I agree. Didn't have a massively good game, but I thought, you know, there were a real positive was a couple of things. One of which was he won a couple of one on ones, and it's never been his strength. Um, I thought he was terrific last year, um, Hunt, and particularly in that mid season period when it was really Nibbler and Hunt who were the only players uh, we I remember we talked about it were the only players who. Uh, improve their ratings, their rankings during that period. Um, I, I thought his intensity at the ball was great. His tackling was great. Um, and as I mentioned, I really like the fact that he seems to he's been trying to sort of work on his kicking. If he can really get that nailed down, um, he brings something to the team with his run and pace that you know is hard to you know Rivers as well. Um, but I really like him in the team in that, especially through the home and away where. You know, people will be tired early on, and then you'll get to the buy, and that'll happen again. So, I thought he was a real positive. The other one, the other real positive, is another player who didn't have his best game, but um, was Jackson. That mark he took um, and went back and slotted it from you know what just on fifty was uh, that mark will be having opposition coaches just going, oh, what do we do? Because if he starts dragging those sorts of marks down in our forward line, um, he timed it perfectly, got up high. He looks like he's built um, his upper body a little bit. Um, if he starts clunking marks and kicking goals, um, then, you know, look out. It just adds something unbelievable to the mix down there. Um, so, yeah, for me that was a real positive just to, a glimpse into what he might bring if he can sort of improve his forward craft. It's a lovely kick goal. Uh, that one, the one in the granny, he's got a big long kick uh, for goal um, outside yeah. 50. And another, he's a player, he's, sim- he's simplified his run-up, so he kicked that off like about two steps, the goal from outside 50, as you say. is a nice long kick, so, um, yeah, he's um, if he can be getting them outside there, well, you know, he's going to be even more of a weapon than he is. George, you think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to make a quick comment. Do, do you think Hunt has a role, though, the way the defensive structures are set up? Uh, what I mean by that is, um, as a halfback flanker, effectively, um, the most important thing to the team is being able to deliver the ball up the ground. So that's why Salem is so critical to the structures that the team has and also the way that Bowie has fitted into the side. Whereas Hunt is a run and carry player, yeah. And um, my, while the fans love watching him sprint through the middle of the ground, if you're a full forward, you'd be horrified uh, because you don't know whether he's going to keep running or whether he's going to kick the ball to you. Um, so I think he's already been instructed to to take it back a step or two. Um, and does that take away his one wood? Yeah, potentially. I mean, yeah, I mean, I see your point, and I think he's sort of competing with Rivers a bit, isn't he? But yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's worth keeping in mind that he was in that team to round 
what was it, 18, 19 of the season and, and all things being equal, if you didn't get that untimely injury, you would have probably stayed in the team. Yeah, he would have had a premiership medallion. Around yeah, exactly. So I, I think you make a good point, George. I mean, what he's, he's good at is getting it. We're a territory team. He gets territory with that kick, but maybe, you know, if he can work on those kicking, maybe it just means that he's going to be more of a damaging. He's always going to be an attacking sort of halfback flanker, but I thought in a in a in a setup where we needed someone one on one, he was one he was good on a number of occasions one on one. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a it, it really is Rivers, and I mean Rivers is out at the moment, but they play a very similar role when you've got mm. um, Bowie and Salem in the team. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, what uh, happens uh, uh, there once uh, once we have a few of those players back of, uh, from injury. Um, have uh, have I, George? Have you done your individual positive yet? Oh, the the, the real positives for me were have been talked about a little bit so far, and that's Smith and Tomlinson. Um, uh, I've talked about how they fitted beautifully into the team structures, but individually um, vastly improved from what we saw last year from both of those players. Uh, Smith's um, uh, probably his, his biggest failings have been his inability to read the play, and he quite often got out of position, um, whereas in this game he really did exactly what he needed and he was absolutely where he was needed every single time. I was really, really impressed and it really shows the um, the benefits and the credits that must go to the coaching staff over the summer period that he has just slotted in um, to that role perhaps that Penny was playing um, really, really well and, and without the failings that were evident there last year, even though it's only off one game. Tomlinson, the same sort of thing. The guy's been out for... Uh, 10 months or whatever of playing football. And again, he's fitted into that role just seamlessly in the, in this game. So um, really impressed with both of those. Um, I think it's also interesting that between the three of us, we haven't spoken about these blokes called Petrarca and Oliver uh, as being pos- positive individuals. Um, and it's a nice position for the club to be in and for us to be in that um, we can talk about the other players in the side when we've got two absolute superstars in the middle just ripping the game apart at will. Just on Smith, I think that that sort of idea that he's, you know, maybe not a great footy IQ. I mean, that's that's a reasonable re- reasonable comment about him. But I think it's exacerbated a bit when you go back into a defensive system that is so, you know, mm-hmm. like everyone needs to know what role and where they are in relation to other players and all of that stuff. And that take, must take time to develop. So I, I wonder whether sometimes that's sort of where he gets caught, where he's got caught out of position in the past a bit, is at least partly to do with the fact that, um, you know, he's a player who's, you know, trying to get used to a system that he hadn't, you know, he'd only played two or three games last year in it. Um, and maybe it takes, in addition to his, you know, he hasn't played a huge amount of footy. In addition to that um, factor, there's the sort of getting used to his, the defensive system. Um, and he's had the whole preseason to practice that. Um, and I think that, you know, it showed he, he looked, he didn't look out of position once really in this game. And Dizzy looks um, fit as well. That's the other thing. Um, I guess we can move on to some negatives. I, I didn't really have an individual negative uh, for the night. I'll, I'll use my allotted space uh, to pot the umpires uh, since the players 
since the players are not allowed to, um, you know, once again, free kick Bulldogs, uh, lopsided free kick counts uh, made worse by gifting a few goals to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I've got my old favourite complaint of free kicks not paid, that non-stat. Um, eight free kicks for English, six free kicks against Max, five free kicks for the dreamboat Bailey Smith and seven <laughs> free kicks against DeClary. Uh, we, well, the count at the end was 30 freeze to 17, and uh, including those two howlers uh, that cost us uh, two goals, and that was, of course, the Waitman uh, one. I don't know. Is that a free kick, do you think? I mean, he, his eyes weren't for the ball, but he didn't make any contact. Of course it's not a free kick. It doesn't matter. He didn't make any contact. Like, yeah. There's no way that's a free kick. That's right. In. Yeah, we don't hand our free kicks for threatening to uh, run into someone. Yeah, to look <laughs> glaring at him with intent or yeah. there's no way in the God's earth that's a free kick. I, I reckon, Andy, that it just showed – I thought the grand final was umpired super well and it goes to the point that we made all last year about how we, how, how the, it's been ignored for basically ever investing in umpiring as, as such a critical part of the game. If you compare that game, how it was umpired to the grand final, it was complete chalk and cheese. Um, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the numbers were a bit were a lot more equal, obviously. But it's not really about the differential. I mean, that's a ridiculous differential in this game. But, you know, for me, that free kick, I, I don't know the umpire who made it, but that speaks to, I guess, the skill of an umpire is in his brain you know, he's thinking this, Smith is going to give this free kick away. So he's ready. He's ready to blow the whistle. It sort of happens and instinctively he blows the whistle and then realises straight afterwards, oh, oh, hold on, that was a mistake. The best umpires have got the same ability that the best players do. They've got the ability to sort of time slows down a bit. They think that's going to be a free kick. I'm going to blow my whistle. No, he didn't make contact. I'm not going to blow my whistle. Play on. Um, and, you know, that was a really good example of of how significant it can be. They went into that um, quarter time with momentum. Um, we'd smashed them in that first quarter. As George noted, we'd, we'd probably, we didn't take some of our chances. Um, there was a dubious free kick before that. Um, I can't recall the specific of it. But, um, like yeah. that. I think it was down. We didn't get one. Track didn't get one in the lead up to that first goal that they got for the match. We should have had the ball trapped. And then that Waitman goal was a um, just a no, you know. But that changed the momentum. They came out in that second quarter with energy and, um, you know, right from the get-go, they suddenly within a blink of the eye, they had five unanswered goals. So, yeah, it just it's just... Every week it sort of highlights to me how important it is to get the best umpires umpiring. And it's ridiculous that, you know, you can have home and away season sort of not ruined but, you know, impacted so much by umpiring and then, you know, you come finals, they sort it out. Uh, George, you want to go with the negative? Um, probably a, 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 a contentious one here. Um, Harms and Brayshaw um, uh, Bin Man uh, didn't get to see the game, and one of the advantages of being at the game is you can see what's happening up the field and behind play. Um, Bin Man highlighted before the importance to the dogs of the switch, um, that they actively seek to move the ball very quickly down around the other side of the of the ground. And previously, and particularly in the grand final, that was um, well covered by us. It, it's not the first kick in the switch, which is the critical one. It's the second one. Uh, where it goes up up the ground, and it requires the 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 um, wingers in particular to s- basically 
cover the ground across the the whole width of the ground to get there to stop the kick. Now, we saw plenty of examples in the grand final where the dogs had nowhere to go. They'd do the switch and stop because there was nothing down the line. In the second quarter, um, when things weren't stable, um, Brayshaw was on that wing and he wasn't running in exactly the same way as what he was in the grand final. Uh, and the dogs got those switches through. Harms, uh, but, in, but Brayshaw... Uh, after halftime changed and stopped, stopped the switching occurred where he was responsible for it. Harms was notorious for the whole game of being five and ten metres behind his man, who was the one who was that second second kick target. So um, I was yelling and screaming at Harms to pick up his man when they've got the possession and he's just well behind and creating the overlap that the dogs needed. Um, you just have to shut that down like we did in the grand final. So for those two players... Brayshaw only for certainly one quarter, but Harmsy for the whole game. You got to do more than that, son, to stay on this side. Yeah, Harmsy didn't have a great game, but he also didn't play. Uh, he didn't play a huge amount of time in the centre, did he? He went no. in there a little bit, but you know that, that was interesting. They had Nibbler in the centre for the first time. I hadn't seen him as get as much time, and Harms is at his best, I think, as we've talked about. You know, see ball, get ball, put him in the middle. He can get a bit lost, and I, I see your point about um, Gus, but I thought he was terrific when he went back sort of pretty much as a halfback flanker and Jordan to the wing yeah. uh, in that sort of second half of the second quarter and into the third quarter. Gus was super, was important, but, um, you know, it just shows how important, doesn't it? Like that's what you miss when you're at home. I had no idea how much running he'd done, and I had no idea, for instance, you know, it was hard to see where players had set up. I didn't see Shacky was on the wing or, you know, and you just don't see the amount of running that, um, for instance, Bedford did. I was really amazed at the sort of kilometres or the distances that Bedford ran and you just don't see that at home, obviously. Um, my negative was, uh, again, it's, you know, negative using that advisedly, but I didn't think, you know, he was neat with his kicking, but I didn't think Bowie had his best game and, you know, He's now won what he's played eight games and won um, all. Uh, he's played eight and won eight. Um, and you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the young fellow. He's, he's obviously at the start of his career, but he, I mean, he hit his targets. He was pretty neat, but I, I didn't think he had his his best game. Um, he's got a big job now because he's really the obvious um, player to pick up Salem's role, um, and it'll be really interesting to see you know, how they look to, you know, because the model that they landed on at the end of last year was basically two Salem's Bowie being one of them, Salem being the other. Um, I think they'll look to replicate that, but who who that is, it'll be interesting to see. So, you know, maybe even Laurie gets a look. All right. Um, well, let's... Uh Let's move on from uh, that game um, and let's talk about the upcoming game. We might uh, start by uh, talking about the ins and outs before we talk about the opposition and how we see the game going. Uh, obviously, Salem's going to be out. Uh, well, um, we now know that it's a six to eight week injury and that's a that's a huge loss. Uh, not, not, not one that we can necessarily, necessarily cover in terms of class and poise that Salo adds uh, to the side, but... Uh, we can, you know, we can adequately cover the position. Um, but whilst we've got a plethora of premiership backs unavailable, it's making me a little bit nervous. Um, 
uh, if Lever's fit, I, I guess he slots back in the side. Uh, we know Goody doesn't make unnecessary changes. Uh, consistency was their key last season. However, in a season that that season wasn't marred by a whole lot of injuries, so that task was easier to accomplish. Uh, the injury list today lists Rivers, Hibbard and Lever as tests. Uh, Petty's still three to four weeks away. Um, gentlemen, what changes do you think we'll make, uh, if any, and what you would uh, like to see? You mentioned, uh, B-Man, you mentioned might like to see Laurie and uh, things yeah. to George. Um, I'll go with George first and then uh, B-Man, you can chime in. Um, yeah, I think it all basically comes down to the uh, results of these tests um, uh, with Lever, Hibbard and uh, Rivers. Um, the I saw the brief bit on the uh, news tonight. I think they're reasonably confident about Rivers, although he had a um, a knee brace on at the training session they filled. Um, but if if um, any of those come back, I think we'll be in a far better position, and that'll that'll determine who might come into the side. I don't think we're going to see T Mac down back, um, regardless. And the reason I say that is because uh, the Suns have uh, were using Melby Chole as their full forward this week. Uh, ben King is out for the season. Uh, so they don't have uh, the same big marking back uh, forwards that uh, perhaps even the Bulldogs with Norton uh, did. Their Rankin kick four goals um, for them this week. So it's more critical about the small backs um, and someone to shut down Rankin. I, I seem to recall that um, Smith had... Uh, played on him last year. I'm not sure about that, but maybe you guys know better. Um, so in the absence of of uh, the forward th- threats, I don't think we need anything more than uh, May, Smith and Tomlinson. And then if you bring back a Hibbert or a, or a Rivers, you solve basically both your major um, defensive problems that you might have against the Suns. So uh, I think we're going to... I'd prefer to see T-Mac up the front um, simply because... It affects our forward structures as well. It wasn't a surprise to me that uh, Cozzy um, didn't have a great game because mm. everything, everything, all the attention was thrown on Ben Brown, and he was fantastic. But he was getting two and three defenders all the time simply because T Mac was down the other end of the ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought Ben Brown played fantastic, and um, you know, how great is it to have a full forward who, yeah, yeah. who you're pretty confident it's going to kick the goal when he gets his chance so um it's not just that it's his marking ability he's he he marks the ball at the highest point his arms are so long we've discussed this before you just got no hope of uh unless you chop his arms you're you're not uh stopping him from marking it no that's uh, and but the you make a good point about taking t-mac out with cozzy because you know, the, it just means that it's not going to come. I mean, they didn't get many intercept marks back there, and that's one of the things I'd be a bit worried if I was a Dogs fan is that they maintain this defensive model where they stand in front of the defender. Uh, sorry, the um, um, uh, forward. forward, and it's like a bit like, well, this didn't work against us last year. They didn't get any intercept marks hardly. But having said that, one of the things that T Mac does, uh, he brings you know the ball to ground for the Cozies and Spargos, but he also blocks. 
they block for each other super well. So you take him out of there and it's one less player to block for Ben Brown. But you're right, Andy. I mean, he's, um, you know, he's brilliant the way he can stretch up. Just a couple of things on Ben Brown. One of the things, my, one of my pet hates is not up, when umpiring's up there is bad commentary. Um, and you'd reckon professional commentators, part of their job would be to, you know, it's not very difficult seeing the game is on KO to watch all of the practice games. And when Max Gorn was lining up for the goal, I thought of you, Andy, at the, the game at North Melbourne, the one where he outside 50, I was thinking to myself he was lining up. He's going to play on here and cut to his right and he'll kick this like just like he did down at uh, Casey. Um, not a single commentator noted that he did that at Casey. Um, and he it was a replica goal from just outside 50. That was a just total bomb. And the other one was that they were saying about Ben Brown, oh, he what will he do here when he had that banana goal? Yep. Um, that, that's so unusual for him and, like, he hasn't got his run up, what will he do, blah, 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 blah. And again, in the practice game against Casey, he um, banana two through, didn't he? At least one and another one he snapped around his corner, both of which he never did last year. So, you know, there, he's added those two tricks and we saw them. Um, yes, <laughs> just as an aside, um, I, I think in terms of selection, the – what we know about Goody is he's wedded to the philosophy of you know, re- reward the incumbents. Um, um, a big challenge for us this year, as I talked about in the last podcast in the preview, I think is keeping the, the sort of energy at the right level and not getting too sort of up and, you know, and building that emotional energy, um, you know, and have it peak come finals time, um, peak in particular prelim and grand final. It's a long season, 23 games. I, I think because he is wedded to that philosophy of um, incumbency, we're likely not to see many changes, but the positive of the injuries is that that gives him the opportunity to reward Bedford again. It gives him the opportunity to keep Tomlinson in. It gives him the opportunity to um, to keep hunting and give him another run and to let Smith um, bed down that position. So I suspect that they won't take any, you know, there will be no in this next period of time. There'll be a few players out, general soreness. If there's any question mark whatsoever, you know, if it's 90-10, you know, that someone like a lever, I, you know, there's every chance he won't play against um, um, the Suns, I think. You know, you avoid the travel. Um, same goes for Hibbard, maybe. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, Rivers would be a good one to bring back in because he, he strikes me as the sort of player as he don't want, you want him playing footy, don't you? Um, and I just has a little query about those injuries in terms of those young fellas coming back after a grand final win and having their first short preseason. So, um, you know, but I, I would be very, I would be unsurprised if we make no changes and they don't take any risk. Um, I mean, obviously they'll need to bring someone in for Salem. I, I, I said Laurie before, but he doesn't seem to be in the frame. There is a talk about Dunstan. He was an emergency in the practice game, I believe, and he played well in that um, on the same day the the um, the Casey practice game against the Blues. He racked up a heap of possessions. Um, the question a little bit would be maybe they'll give Bedford a run on the ground and I don't know who could then go back. Um, so maybe Rivers in for Salem if he's fit. Um, otherwise, I, I would be you know not shocked if it's sort of no change apart from replacing um, Salem. 
So the Suns, they looked an impressive unit uh, over in the West, albeit against the injury-riddled Eagles outfit. They won their first game ever in Perth against West Coast. Uh, They were full of legs and running in the last quarter, as you would expect from a young fit side. Uh, However, they will be now coming off a six-day break, a late flight across country home. And in contrast, we've had a nice nine or ten-day break. Uh, How do you see uh, the game going, fellas? Uh, Big man? Well, I actually watched the first half of that game and um, um, I've started by tipping terribly. <laughs> I got three and that was one of them. I was sort of, uh, like surely they'll win at home, but I certainly underestimated how bad um, uh, the, the West Coast were impacted by COVID and the injuries and it's a shocker. So um, I, I didn't see the last quarter and they kicked eight goals in that last quarter, I believe, didn't they, um, the Suns? Yeah, seven uh, eight, yeah. Yeah, no, it was oh, eight. Yeah, it's eight, yeah. eight zip, almost eclipsing our two uh, best non-Victorian team scores uh, over in um, uh, quarter scores over at in at our fortress. Yeah, our fortress. So <laughs> I didn't think they were that impressive up to half time. So obviously they got on their bike and were more impressive in the second half. But you know, if they look like I watched. the you know, as I say, up to half time, they look gas already. Um, the West Coast, and I can't believe how out of shape um, um, Nick Nat is. I mean, it's like he was ranked. There was a discussion on Demon Land about the champion data ranking, and he's he's ranked elite above um, Gorn. I mean, it's the nonsense, isn't it? I mean, who would you choose between those two players if you're you're in the footy, you're in the primary school and you had max choice between those two. Um, if not, for no other reason, in the in the huge golf in fitness. Um, so I, how impressive the Suns were, I don't know because I didn't watch that last quarter. I'll, I'll, we'll watch it actually before the, the game just to get a sense if they're playing. But, you know, it's their forward line doesn't really, without King, I think they'll struggle to put a score on the board. Um, they do have Casbolt uh, there. Uh, he's never really worried me at Carlton, but uh, he seems to always kick straight against us, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> we're, we're almost past the point where we can say about the Ds, oh, <laughs> player X like Bruce, is, <laughs> he always kicks a bag against us, even if that actually doesn't <laughs> hold any truth. Um, you know, Rankin is the sort of player that actually we do struggle with, that sort of medium forward. I hope they don't put Smith on him. Smith... It'd be a perfect player for um, even Chol or, um, you know, and you put, I mean, presumably they'll play, uh, where did they play, Casbold up the ground or out of the square? Uh, he was named at centre-half forward. Yeah. yeah, so maybe, I mean, even a Smith could take him, but, or Tomlinson actually, Tomlinson's yeah, Tomlinson. perfect. Yeah, he's the perfect matchup for him. I'd rather see a Hunt um, on Rankin or, you know, even with might be exposed a little bit because, um, you know, I want Smith sort of that intercept marker. Um, that's his, his go, I think. So, you know, Rankin, that's, you know, good that he's got up and going out of shocking season last season. Um, you know, but, uh, Raul, he looked like he's back to his um, yeah. first season and his best, and he, he's a beast of a young man, he isn't he? Is. <laughs> and then you've got Miller as well, who's <laughs> no slouch. Yeah, two Miller's a runner. So, you know, it's um, a big game for them. You know, I would certainly, of course, we won't, you know, uh, take a light leap, but you, you make a really good point, Andy, about that. That's a big dis- 
disadvantage having six day break against us because you know that was one of the real positives of the Wednesday night game is that it gives us a good chance to sort of balance up go into that game get the flight up to you know to our second home for a season up at the Gold Coast and that's the you know that's the biggest trip in footy going across to Perth so that that is you know if you look at the statistics of teams coming off a six day break um, over the journey there's a, 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 a clear statistical disadvantage um, coming off a six day break so not always because there's always a sort of the exception that proves a rule. Um, but, you know, that is a big disadvantage for them. The other thing I think is not a disadvantage, it's good for them that they won, but it it means that they're sort of psychologically, they're not, you know, fear going down to zip, you know, whereas they've got that, at least that win under their belt. Um, they, you know, it's no shame to get beaten by Melbourne. So, you know, they, they approach the game maybe subconsciously a little bit differently if they were, you know, maybe a bit more desperately if they'd lost that game. George? Um, yeah, I'd, I'm a little bit more wary of the Suns, Suns than most people at this time of year, and the reason is that um, they're a young side that runs on adrenaline and um, uh, momentum, Uh in 2020, they won three out of their first four games, including the Eagles, uh, and the Dockers and Crows. Last year, they won three out of their first seven, mm-hmm. uh, which included Collingwood and the Swans. Um, so for at the start of the season, they've got those young, enthusiastic legs, which can take you a long way and get you over the line and in unexpectedly against uh, um, some of the higher-ranked teams. I, I don't put any value on the Eagles because the Eagles to me were going to be a top bottom four side this year. They've been decimated by injury and age. It really has come home to roost for if Eagles roost um, <laughs> the um, in, in a big way for, for them. Um, so uh, the six day break will be advantageous to, to us and I don't think uh, look they've got some seriously talented young players. They're not quite there yet. Rail is fantastic Um but uh, but if uh, if Rankin hadn't kicked four goals off his own boot in this game, uh, it would have been very a very different result. Um, I think uh, um, Chol got two and Casbolt got two, uh, but that that doesn't the their goal kicking comes from the small uh, forwards in particular. Um, hopefully we've got we know all about that. Uh, they're but, uh, yeah, they get, they're going to be more of a threat to us than perhaps what people think uh, um, at this time, of the, at this point in the season. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's right. I mean, also playing at home, it's going to be – it's interesting because, um, you know, again, going back to my point about how great it is to watch other teams and think, geez, you know, they're terrible kicks and uh, not think about the Ds. Um, you know, it's going to be steamy, potentially wet, Definitely steamy, humid. Um, there's rain predicted. I know it's a sort of week out or whatever um, now. So, um, you know, that should favour us because of the myth of that those sorts of conditions level teams up. Well, I'm a firmly of the view of the opposite, that, you know, the, the more difficult the conditions are, the greater the gulf between good teams and bad teams and particularly kicking. Um, but also our game plan is, you know, how often last season... Um, did we get back into games when the games when the rain came because we win contested ball? So it's really a bit about the, you know, I'm confident if we bring the right attitude and we bring the running, that sort of running that 
you talked about Harms not doing, you get two or three players doing that and then, you know, that's enough for um, um, our system to not work effectively and then we're open to a loss. So, you know, it's really, there's no evidence to suggest we won't go in with the right mindset and I think that's something that Goody's done really well right through his coaching tenure is to, you know, ensure that there's always a focus of respect on the opposition. Um, you know, I, I don't see that as a risk I guess subconsciously always the, the risk being you know, do we take it a little bit easy it doesn't feel like I don't know what it feels like for you guys it f- feels like they've come back switched on confident but without being over the top um, and you know if we bring that bring that psyche to this game you know we should we should win but I, I, I think you're spot on George's I, I certainly won't be underestimating the Suns and it, it's likely to be a closer game than what you know many people tip I think Hopefully it's not as close as that game a couple of years ago where T-Mac managed to kick a point in the last <laughs> microsecond of the game. Yes. Because, because more importantly, Andy's up there and he'll, he'll definitely have the heart attack this time. Absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at the weather um, for Saturday. Uh, Gold Coast area, cloudy, high, 70% chance of showers, the chance of a thunderstorm, light winds becoming uh, 15 to 20 Ks during the day. Uh, possible rainfall, three to ten millimetres. Uh, but I know, having been up to the Gold Coast many times, often the you you have a look at the, the forecast and it says rain and it's beautiful <laughs> sunshine for the entire day, but we are playing at night, but uh, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's very unpredictable. You can't go by, uh, and that's from personal experience, you can't go by uh, the weather apps. They're never, never right for that area. You're up at Gold Coast more often than you are at the MCG, Andy. I know, I am, but I... <laughs> You've had a bad run, though. Every time you go up there, there's COVID scare or floods. Or... Well, I, I got caught in a flood uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, well, I, didn't get, I wasn't in the flood, but my where my car was, I couldn't get out, so my car is up. I was managed to get to the Gold Coast, and it's up there waiting for me, so I'm going to be driving it back. Um so, yeah, I haven't had good luck up at the Gold Coast and hopefully my run of um, losses interstate will come to an end uh, this week. And if you remember, I went to the Adelaide game last year, so Indeed. hopefully a better yeah. result. Yeah. Um, well, I think we might end it there. I think we've kept it uh, relatively we, uh, not short we, and sweet. Do we want to talk about the uh, coaches' conference after? Well, we can do that. We'll do that quickly. Um, yeah, so uh, Luke Beveridge uh, sort of, imploded uh, or exploded uh, at um, at uh, reporter Tom Morris and obviously the issues with Tom Morris afterwards are a separate issue uh, but it seems that Bevo got his knickers in a knot over um, you know there, there was certainly some type of leak going on inside that appears inside the Bulldogs camp and I think Bevo was frustrated at that took it out on Morris uh, George uh, what's your read on the situation? Um, we spoke about this briefly before, but um, to me, Bevo is a coach under extreme pressure. And um, I think what we saw in the coaches' conference was um, a symptom of that. Um, he's just had his team have their pants taken down in a grand final. Um, he's just had his team uh, similarly pantsed in the first opening round of the season after promising to the, to the uh, Bulldogs boards that uh, he was the the one who made the mistakes in the grand final and the same result has happened. I also suspect that um, Bebo's 
um, record isn't all that great when you look at it. That um, he won a premiership in 2016. That's five years ago now. Never um, finished top four. Never finished top four. Um, two of the years didn't even get into the finals. Two of the other years where they were eliminated in the first round. Um, get to your grand final, like I said, have your pants taken down. Now, if I was sitting on the board of Footscray uh, Bulldogs, you'd be saying, uh, this is probably your last chance with this mob because you're not proving to... You, you might have got lucky, you might have been talented enough to get the premiership in 2016, but you really haven't done anything since then. How long is this going to continue? So, um, anyhow, um, I'm not quite sure what was going on, but that's just my reading of the situation. It was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. And funnily enough, I think Goody would have been fine. Like the story was about beverage, not the fact that, you know, the, exactly what you were just saying about the dogs. They had all pre-season to, to, to get ready psychologically, game plan, tactics, the whole, you know, whole sort of kit and caboodle for that game. And there was, it, it looked weird. You know, some of the stuff we were like lever down back where Ford was weird. Just the whole, you know, the, I thought tactically they didn't try much defensively. They got some problems. They didn't, you know, Martin was out, but that ruck is a real issue for them. My gut feel is that the issue of the selection thing was just a, the sort of ruse. There was a lot more going on underneath, yeah. and I suspect that, that the axe to grind is pretty sharp. That, that Morris has crossed beverage and there's other stuff that's unreported that maybe will come out in time because it was well, well, well and truly out of balance to a selection, um, you know, thing. I, particularly given the weird, all of that fun and games with Hunter in and Hunter out and you know, Joanne, I mean, like all of that was ridiculous, I thought. Um, and so he sort of played into it. If anything, so that that's my vibe is, um, and I actually think that that Morris getting sacked is connected to an extent because I wonder whether there's, you know, maybe Morris is disclosed. I'm not sure, you know, some stuff about the team. I don't know, but there's, it was something deeper than than just the hunter, you know, leak, so to speak. But yeah, I agree, George. It's, he struck me like a, even if there was, still struck me like a guy under pressure. Um, you know, he was edgy right from the beginning of that press mm. conference. He wanted to get rid of the footy because it was yeah. blocking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got a T-shirt or a shirt full of, you know, advertising slogans and a whole board behind him of advertising slogans. He's wanting to get the McDonald's footy off the – was, yeah. yeah, quite a performance. Yeah, but that also could have been – he would have seen Tom Morris in there and that probably got yeah, his Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, you know, storming. The other funny thing just is uh, – like I, I didn't hear it, but apparently in his sort of rev up, you know, his speech to the board or whatever, he was channeling, talking about Che Guevara and, rev, you know, being revolutionary. I think he's picked a pretty, he's picked a sort of historical figure that at the end of the day didn't do so great. So it's like he might have picked someone more, you know, who's got a, a better uh, win-loss strike rate, I would have thought. <laughs> Yeah, Andy, your thoughts? Uh, look, I think he, I think he saw Tom Morris. The already blood was boiling. Then when Tom asked him that question, he's exploded. But in the end, I think he's a genius because uh, he's managed to take all the heat off his team. Everyone's talking about him, um, and um, the best thing for us is no one's talking about us, which is fantastic. I'm happy for us to slide under the radar for as long as possible. Let no one 
think about us, talk about us, as much as I love hearing everyone say how good we are, I'm quite happy for us to uh, to, to go under the radar for a little bit longer. And just on the reverse, uh, it was funny because Goodwin went first. I'm not sure. I can't remember if that's the orthodoxy. Does the winning coach always go first? I don't know whether that's the – but he went first in that presser and he was asked about um, the Hunter Palava. And he just laughed. It was, you know, it's like, whatever, I don't really care about, you know, the ins and outs. What was funny is that, I've, I've, as I said before, I'm positive that he was playing some ducks and drakes with Lever. And because he doesn't do it, it probably had the effect of of throwing um, beverages plans a bit sort of out of whack. um, I think you you have to play with with someone like Lever out in terms of, of – you know how our how defence sort of sets up. I think you do have to play a bit of ducks and drakes with that. Uh, but it's so uh, ungoody, isn't it, to do that? that and so he might have actually landed a little bit of a uh, you know he might have out beverage beverage with a, <laughs> with with that change. So um, he seemed to have a wry grin about it, and um, he seems in pretty good form now. Could he? Seems in a happier place. He seems in a happier like place. Like we all are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just on a for anyone who's listening who hasn't watched that show uh, on it's on AFL sort of got this beta thing about AFL on demand. So, but basically you can access it via their website. If, I forget what it's called, something the whistle or the siren. Or, After uh, no, sound the alarm. Sound the alarm, and so it's four quarters. Um, both of them mic'd up, but by the end of the game, there's no mic'ing up of beverage. So oh, I, I have progressively becomes the Goodwin show. I have um, been I have been told that uh, Melbourne uh, gave almost everything. You know, you, they get final say of what gets right. put on. So we gave pretty much everything except some tactical um, things. Obviously, there's things that are said that we probably don't want other teams to know about because we're going to use it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the Bulldogs gave virtually nothing. What you yeah. saw is what they allowed. Right. Apparently, Beveridge went bananas. There was reports of him going bananas in the coach's box in that game just gone. Um, so that's probably other sort of coming. He was, already, he was pretty angry coming into that presser. But, yeah, so if you haven't, it was everything – that I'd wanted wanted actually in the um, the Fox documentary, and it was just terrific. And as George noted, uh, and you, Andy, as well, it's, it was actually really interesting that thing about density. And I was trying to work out what he meant by that, and you know, just the sort of as you said, hold the fort and go. All of that stuff was I thought fascinating. And um, yeah, so if if, if uh, anyone listening hasn't watched it, uh, I can as Andy said I can fully recommend it. It was terrific. In fact, I'll probably watch it again. Such you know, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm waiting for it to get up onto YouTube uh, as the AFL have done uh, for all of it so I can then link it uh, properly on our – if you go to dmiland.com slash premiership, you can see all the videos, all the all the game with all the different commentaries, all the aftermatch interviews, uh, all the goals from the match. There's a whole plethora of, uh, of uh, links and stuff uh, that you can watch and enjoy forever. Well, as long as YouTube stays up and society doesn't collapse, uh, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be up there uh, for you to see. As long as there's a couple of linked network computers still running, hopefully um, – We'll be able to watch that uh, forever and ever and ever. <laughs> That's probably what's going to last, Andy. Well, hopefully, <laughs> as long as Demon Land's up and running when when we're living in a in a nuclear holocaust. A uh, <laughs> well, enjoy your holiday up. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, boys. Uh, we've kept it uh, under uh, an hour and 20 minutes, so I think that's a win uh, for us. That's uh, a win for us. The uh, new muscular, tightly controlled Demonland podcast. Yeah, we're attempting not to go three hours. Uh, we want to try and keep it concise. We'll, we'll try and – I almost had it uh, an hour and seven minutes, uh, but George brought us back in with the Bevo talk. Um that's fine, George. I don't mind. I love talking about the D cell talk forever. Um, yeah, we're trying to keep it a little bit more concise for, for everyone so you can manage it. Uh, you're listening. Um, but guys, uh, we, we can't promise there won't be a two hour um, a grand final, you know, wrap up. Oh, that was a three that, hour. I'm sure we, we will do <laughs> that. Happens. And, uh, you know, if we have a loss, who knows? We could be yeah. unleashing. So you never yeah. know. We'll, we'll try to keep it concise. But you know. yeah. We have to talk. We have to talk. That's what we're here to do. All right, guys. Thank you very much uh, for joining me again tonight. We'll be back next week. I'll probably be doing this on the road. I'm going to take my equipment up with me because I'm driving back from Queensland. So I'll see you on the road somewhere. Let's go, those demons. Go, red legs. <laughs> <laughs>